Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. On today's broadcast, Pastor John Butler speaks from the subject of Facing the Giant of Fear. And now, here is today's broadcast. Samuel 17, 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're going to be reading uh, a, not a ton of scripture, but, but in several different places out of this chapter. But we're going to begin in verse 8 and just go through verse 11 together right now. 1 Samuel chapter 17, beginning in verse 8, it says this, Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight? He called. I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. And when Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified, terrified, and deeply shaken. Lord, I pray that you add your illumination and understanding to the truth of your word today. God, I pray that in the center of this message, we'd find you. And God, I pray that you would just change our hearts and our lives with the truth that you want to speak to us today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, last week we began a series called Jezebels and Giants. Jezebels and Giants, breaking the tyranny of fear. Fear is a tyrant that tries to position himself between you and every good thing that God has for you. Everything you want is on the other side of your fear. I'm going to say that again. Everything you want is on the other side of your fear. The devil will try to keep you locked in this cycle of fear that we talked about last week. He'll try to keep you locked in that cycle every chance he gets because he knows that if you're in that cycle, it's going to prevent you from accomplishing anything for the kingdom of God. And he'll go, he's, he's going to keep you in that cycle of fear and you'll not only not accomplish anything, but you also won't receive anything that God has for you. And this cycle is absolutely real. And I think as we talked through it last week, You've seen the effects in your own life. The prophet Elijah got caught up in this cycle. And when Jezebel threatened him, <clears throat> excuse me, when, when Jezebel threatened him, um, <clears throat> my goodness, <clears throat> I started to say what's blooming, but I think the answer is everything is blooming. <clears throat> so when Jezebel threatened him with, uh, with, with death, she said, I'm going to kill you by the end of the day. What did he do? He got overwhelmed, <clears throat> so overwhelmed with fear that he ran out of the city, ran into the wilderness by himself, and prayed to die. Now, there is a way, the good news is there is a way to break the cycle of fear. You don't have to fall victim to the enemy's schemes. Listen, we don't have to obey the tyrant of fear. Just because he says boo does not mean we have to jump. 
You realize that? He, just because he thinks he is a tyrant, it does not mean we have to bow down to him. Because we have another king in our lives. And he is the king above every king. And the Lord above every Lord. We don't need to bow down to the tyrant of fear. We don't need to bow down to anyone or anything less than the king of kings and the Lord of lords. His name is greater than the name of fear. His name is greater than every other name that can, be, that can be spoken in the universe. And so even though fear tries to set himself up in our lives as a tyrant, we have the authority to try to knock, to knock him down and to dethrone him. And that's what this series is all about, dethroning the tyrant of fear. Now, it's called Jezebels and Giants, and last week we talked about Jezebel. This week, we're going to talk about the giant. So we're coming from these two different biblical accounts that played that, in which fear played a major role. So we've seen how, uh, how Jezebel and, and Elijah played out. Now we're going to see how David and Goliath played out. See, I love the Word of God because it, it, it is real. It doesn't sugarcoat stuff. It, it's, it shows the good, the bad, and the ugly. And so last week we saw the devastation that it brings when you get locked in this cycle of fear. Now we're going to see what happens with David and the giant Goliath. Now, this warrior was a warrior like none other. He was so fearsome that every soldier in the Israeli army ran and hid from him, except David. David didn't. David faced and defeated the giant Goliath, and there are some lessons that we can learn from him That'll help us face and defeat the giants of fear that we have in our lives who try to intimidate us and paralyze us. So let's look at, at 1 Samuel 17 together. So here's, here's the short version of what we just read. The, the Philistine giant, over nine feet tall, he's over nine feet tall, incredibly strong, incredibly fierce. He challenged the army of Israel to a duel instead of a battle. Instead of army against army, he wanted them to send one person to fight against him in this sort of winner-takes-all arrangement. And he, he cursed he cursed them, and he mocked them, and, and he defied them to send someone. He, he dared somebody to come against him, but, but nobody dared to do that because they were terrified by fear. And then one day, this young shepherd boy, David, happened to be on the battlefield visiting his brothers, bringing them supplies, and David heard these vulgar taunts of the giant. And while the rest of the army fell victim to the cycle of fear, David took a different perspective that helped him face and ultimately defeat the giant. So remember, everything you want is on the other side of your fear. So David did eight things in this passage. He did eight things that helped him defeat uh, the giant that will also help us defeat fear. So we're going to talk about five of them today. We'll talk about three of them next week. So let's dive in. The first thing that David did in order to help him defeat the giant of fear is this. He focused on the future. If you're going to defeat the giant of fear in your life, you have to do the same thing. Focus on the future. In 1 Samuel 17, verses 24 through 27, it says this. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, that's Goliath, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant, the men asked? He comes out every day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He'll give that man one of his daughters for a wife, and the man's entire family will be exempt from paying taxes. David asked the soldier standing by, he said, uh, say what? 
<laughs> he said, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he's allowed to defy, to defy the armies of the living God? And these men gave David the same reply. They said, yes, that's the reward for killing him. So while everybody else was running back to their tent, David was intrigued by what he had heard. He, he was so intrigued, in fact, that he asked several people to, in order to confirm what he heard was true. To the person who defeated Goliath, King Saul had promised to give riches, to give his daughter in marriage, and to, to give tax-exempt status for his entire family. Everybody else was, was only saw an obstacle. David saw an opportunity. See, if you're going to defeat fear in your life, you're going to have to, you're going to have to look, uh, you're going to have to, to look past it. You can't just look at what's in front of you. You have to look past it. You have to look behind it. You have to look beyond it. You have to imagine what could be if you could figure out a way to get past whatever that thing was that has you scared. You see, David was no fool. He knew how powerful Goliath was. But, in, but David immediately saw the benefit of defeating the giant. He, he got a picture in his head of what life would be after his fight with Goliath. And, it, and he defeated him. Part of the cycle of fear is the doomsday scenario, right? We talked about this last week. When, what might happen if your fear comes to pass? That's what the doomsday scenario is. David flipped the script. He said, what might happen if I defeat him? He said, what, what wonderful things would come to my life if I can defeat this thing that I'm afraid of? What blessing could I bring to my family? How might my future change if I can figure out how to turn this obstacle into an opportunity? You see, we've got, we've got to change the scenario that's playing out in our heads. Fear wants us to see the future after our defeat. We've got to learn to see the future after our victory. We've got to see ourselves being used of God in ministry. See yourself in a fulfilled relationship. See yourself in a better financial position or, in a better, or having a better education. See yourself experiencing all the good things that God has for you. Let that play in your head. Let that draw you in. Let that change the conversation that you're having with yourself. Don't be so fast to say, I can't. Take just a moment and think, but what if I could? But what if I could? How did David motivate himself to overcome his fear and face the giant? He focused on the future instead of the present. Now here's the second thing that he did. Yeah, if we're going to defeat the giant of fear in our lives, we've got to remember past success. We've got to remember past successes. In, in verses 32 through 36, let me show you what David rehearsed in his mind. He, he told the king, he said, don't worry about this Philistine. <laughs> He's like a teenage boy. He's telling the king who stands head and shoulders taller than everybody else in the country, he said, ah, don't worry about this Philistine. I'll go fight him. He said, don't be, Saul said, don't be ridiculous. There, there's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're a, you're a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. Look at this. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club, and I rescue the lamb from its mouth. And if the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I've done this to both lions 
and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he's defied the armies of God, the living God. Think about this. What's now considered normal used to be considered impossible. You think about that. Here's some examples. Space flight. A few hundred years ago, impossible. Right? Now we send people into space and things into space so frequently it doesn't even make the news. We don't even know when we go anymore. You know, handheld computers, impossible just 50 years ago. Computers took up entire rooms, even entire buildings. And now every one of us has handheld, a handheld device with more computing power than the rockets that sent men to the moon in the 60s. I noticed this past week, Roger Bannister passed away. 88 years old. Roger Bannister was the first man in recorded history to run a four-minute mile, under a four-minute mile. It was, it was previously considered humanly impossible. That's what all the best minds in the world just 60, 70 years ago said. It's not even possible for a human to run under four-minute mile. But since Roger Bannister did it in 1954, thousands of people have done it. What made the difference? He chose not to believe that he couldn't do it. He didn't give in to the fear that kept others from even trying. He started, he started realizing his past successes. He started realizing, hey, I'm pretty fast. I ran a pretty fast mile today. It was faster than I ran last month. I wonder what would happen if I, if I, if I trained a little harder or a little differently. I wonder what would happen if I kept working. And then the next month, he said, man, it was a little faster than I was last month. And then the next year, man, I've shaved off even more time. And then he didn't limit himself to what people said was possible. He decided to do what everybody thought was impossible. He looked at his previous accomplishments and the path that he had been on, and that, that, that told him that it was indeed possible. You see, David saw Goliath in front of him, and instead of, of listening to the other soldiers around him saying it was impossible... Instead of saying, I don't think I can do that because I've never killed a giant before, David started thinking about what he had done. He said, well, there's some experiences in my past that seem to be preparing me for my future. David realized his past successes and maybe even his past failures were leading him to future success. Just because he hadn't done it before didn't mean he couldn't do it. David realized that he'd been stretched and challenged before, and not only had he lived through it, but he conquered it. He defeated a bear that was bigger than him. He defeated a lion that was meaner than him. Why could he not also defeat a giant who was bigger than him? That was David's mindset. He had past successes that helped to give him the confidence to face his fear. Let me ask you something. What have you been through in your past? What have you been through? You ever been in some tough situations? You ever been in some challenges? You've, you ever been in a, in a tight spot? You've been stretched to your, what you thought was your breaking point? Hey, guess what? Look around you. You're still here. You're still here. It didn't kill you. You thought it was going to kill you. It didn't kill you. You're still, you're, you're still here and you're capable of way more than you thought you were, aren't you? Don't limit your future to what you've done in your past. You, you've got to do something for the first time. You've got to do stuff for the first time. Don't, don't limit your future to what you've done in the past. Don't be afraid to try things 
for the first time. Build your future off of what you've done and what you've learned and what you've conquered and what you've seen in your past. Those lessons, those skills, even those scars, they serve a purpose for you. Not to remind you to stay down, but to motivate you to get up. David said, I've faced scary, intimidating situations before, so I'm not going to just dismiss this opportunity because it's scary and intimidating. Great things are waiting for me on the other side of my fear. So I'm going to take what I've learned in the past, and I'm going to move forward. You've got to remember your past successes when you face a difficult, scary opportunity. Here's the third thing. Start with the can-dos. Start with the can-dos. Look at verses 38 through 40. 38 through 40. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream, put them into his shepherd's bag, and then armed only with his shepherd's staff and his shepherd's sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. If David had stayed in Saul's armor, the battle wouldn't have lasted long, would it? If he'd have stayed in Saul's armor, all he'd have been thinking about as he went out to face the giant is, not what, is, is about what he was not able to do. He can't run. He can't, he can't use the sword. He doesn't know how. He, he, he doesn't know how to use the shield. He, he doesn't know how to do all this stuff. So David took a different approach than everybody else. He said, look, I'm good with a staff, and I'm good with a sling, so I'm just going to go with what I know. Right? He said, instead of doing what everybody else says I should do, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with what I'm comfortable with. I'm going to start with what I'm good at. I'm going to start with what I can do. You see, part of the reason fear is such a challenge in our lives is we get paralyzed by it. We, get, we, we feel helpless from the fear. We feel like we can't do anything about the situation. But there's almost always something that we can do. A positive step. Something to get the momentum started. Something to give us confidence. Something to give us the strength and the courage to take another step. Something to help us feel like we're making progress. You will never conquer your fear if you do nothing. Amen, John. That's right. You will never conquer your fear if you do nothing. You can't, you can't say, I'm just going to pray about it. Listen, James told us faith without works is dead. Yes, pray about it, but you, that can't be all you do. You've got to be willing to do something about the fearful situation that's standing in front of you. So ask yourself, what is one thing I can do to change this situation? For instance, you want a better education, but you're terrified you can't do it. Terrified you can't afford it. You can't whatever. Well, why don't you go ahead and take a placement test? You know, just take a step forward. My dad... Had, had been, he had to quit school when he was in high school, and, and for nearly 30 years, he had not completed his high school equivalent, equivalency, but he wanted to finish. He wanted to get his GED. He'd been out of school for nearly 30 years. So he said, I don't know what I need to study. I'm just going to go take the stupid test and see wh where my weaknesses are, what I need to study. Guess what? He passed it the first time. Passed it the first time. But if he'd been afraid to try, 
He would never have accomplished that in his life. Don't just keep sitting idle expecting something to change. Or even worse, don't keep sitting there worrying about your doomsday scenario. Start with what you can do. Take one step towards the dream or the goal or or what God's calling you to do and see where He leads you after that. Just take one more step. Now, here's the fourth thing. You have to see it spiritually. You have to see your fear and, the, and the, the challenge in front of you, you have to see it spiritually. I want to show it to you. In verse 26 and in verse 36, David asked the soldiers, we already read this, uh, he, he said, what will a man get for killing the Philistine and ending his defiance in Israel? But look at what he said. Don't overlook this. Who is this pagan? Hang on, back up. Yeah, who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he's allowed to defy the armies of the living God? Don't, don't miss that. And then verse 36, look at what he said here. I, I've done this to both lions and bears. I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, who has defied the armies of the living God. Yes, David was enamored with the possibilities uh, for his future, and he had some confidence from his past successes. But if you read the text in its entirety, you see that David saw this situation spiritually. He was fighting a literal, physical giant, but he saw this as a spiritual issue. He kept saying, who is this guy that's defying the armies of the living God? He realized this wasn't just two opposing armies. This was an attack against his God. It was a spiritual issue for David. Now, I don't know what what it's going to take for us to realize and understand that we're at war in the spirit world. Every moment of every day, we're in war spiritually. Every bout that we have with fear is a spiritual issue. I want you to hear that. Everything that you're afraid of, it's a spiritual issue. Every time you get paralyzed with fear about something, it is a spiritual issue. Now, we're going to talk more about this in two weeks, but but I want you to know fear is a spirit. Amen, Pastor. (laughs) I'm going to do this all myself, aren't I? Fear is a spirit. That's what Paul told Timothy. And so we're going to talk more about that in a couple of weeks, but you need to recognize that. It is a spirit. Ephesians 6 says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, right? But against all the principalities and powers, all of the spiritual enemies that we have, which means we have no natural enemies on this earth. None. Not sickness, not disease, not injury, not failure, not disappointment, not our boss, not an abusive, abusive family member, There are no earthly enemies that we face. Every fight we have, even the fights we have with fear, is a spiritual fight. Fear can only be conquered with spiritual weapons. What weapons? Praise and worship. The Word of God. Prayer. Those are the weapons that we fight with, and they are strong and powerful and effective, but only if they're used. Only if they're used. The Lord told me something this week that really kind of rocked my world. It's not like I'd never thought of it before, but into that situation, rocked my world. I was worrying about something. I know y'all don't ever do that. Worrying about a situation. And I'd already had the doomsday. I just preached this like on Sunday. On Monday, I've already got the doomsday scenario in my head. Okay? I already had this played out. I was already kind of fretting about having to deal with what had not even happened yet. 
And, and, and then I thought, well, I'm a pastor, I should probably <coughs> pray about it. <laughs> and about the time that I thought that, I, I heard the Lord say, you can worry about it or you can pray about it, but you can't do both. You can worry about it or you can pray about it, but you can't do both. Either I can worry, which accomplishes nothing, or I can pray, which accomplishes everything. I want to show it to you in Scripture. Matthew chapter 6. This is a, a fairly lengthy passage, but, it, but it's easy. I want you to understand what Jesus is saying. Look at how many times he says, do not worry. Jesus said, this is why I tell you not to worry about your everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Notice the, notice the futility of worry. It doesn't add a single moment to your life. And why worry about your clothes? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothes, and yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and gone and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what are we going to eat or drink or wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers but your heavenly Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. In ten verses, Jesus said, Do not worry three times. You, what do you think the hidden message is there? Don't worry. Look at James chapter 5 and verse 16. The last half of that verse says, The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power, produces wonderful results. It avails much, the King James says. Prayer changes something. Worry changes absolutely nothing. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Paul says, So don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. You see how this confirms what the Lord said to me? You can either pray or you can worry, but you can't do both. Don't worry. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Past successes. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. We've got to see every obstacle, every giant, every fear as a spiritual battle because until we do, we will continue to try to fight it in the natural. And you can't fight it in the natural. But when we see it for what it is, we can hit our, prayer, our knees in prayer. We can open our Bibles for guidance. We can open our spiritual ears for the Spirit's voice. We can open our mouths to worship and praise and magnify our God. We are not helpless. We are not hopeless. We don't have to back down every time He shows up, that fear shows up for a fight. We can fight back with weapons that will work, but we have to see it as a spiritual battle. 
You say, but I'm not sure how my seeing my dreams and, and my goals fulfilled and living an abundant life is a spiritual thing. How is that a spiritual thing? Isn't it just a selfish thing that only affects me? Let me ask you a question, a series of questions. Who is the source of every good and perfect gift? And, and who is it that promised you abundant life? And who is it that prepared good things for you? So don't you think if God promised them, and God prepared them, and God gave them, that God is going to use them for His honor and for His glory and to expand His kingdom? See, when you deny yourself the promises of God, you're denying others of the blessings that will come as a result of them being present in your life. God's blessings always overflow to the people around you. So your wonderful marriage that you're afraid you can't have will be a testimony of God's love for His church and to a lost and dying world. That's what Ephesians 5 says. Your skill in doing your dream job will be a testimony to those who watch you do it. That's Colossians. You, you allowing God to use you in ministry that you're afraid you're not qualified for is going to bless every person who comes in contact with you because His Word never returns void. You getting in a better place financially isn't just about taking the pressure off of yourself. It's about breaking the curse of poverty over your family and showing your children and your grandchildren that you don't always have to be broke and burdened and buried in debt. You see, God's abundant life is not just about you. It's about allowing God's will to be accomplished, not just in you, but through you. Don't let fear stop the will of God from being done on the earth. Let your God-given dreams come to pass, not just to bless you, but to bless everybody else. And here's the last thing we're going to talk about today that we can learn from David facing his giant so we can face our, the giants of fear in our lives. And it's in verse 37 and then 45 through 47. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. And Saul finally consented and said, All right, go ahead and may the Lord be with you. Now, verse 45 and 47. David replied to the Philistine, you come, you come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I'll give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know there's a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues His people, but not with sword and spear. This battle is the Lord's battle, and He will give you to us. Here's the last thing that you need, to, you need to understand if you're going to conquer your fear. You have to consider the source. Consider the source. Now, you ever heard that phrase, consider the source? You ever use that a time or two? In this case, there are two sources for you to consider. First of all, consider the source of your fear. Where is your fear coming from? Does it come from God? Where, where does this come from? Is it a holy, reverential fear that draws you closer to God? Most likely the source of your fear is the enemy. 
David heard all the threats and all the put-downs from Goliath, and he said, you know what? I'm not listening to all that mess. I'm going to consider the source. You don't, you don't want anything good for me. You don't want anything good for me or my people. You want only what's bad for us, so I'm not buying into anything you have to say. I'm going to consider the source, and I'm rejecting your threats, and I'm replacing your threats with the promises of God. You see, if you find something, you find yourself in fear about something, consider the source. Where is the fear coming from? Is it coming from God? And if it's not, there's only one more source. It's got to be coming from the devil. And Jesus said, the devil is a liar and the father of lies. Jesus said he only comes to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. He never comes for a good reason. The devil never just takes a day off and says, I'm only going to give him a little something just because I think he's a pretty nice guy. That never happens. So if you know it's the devil that's feeding your fear, consider the source. I've heard people say, oh, the devil's been in my ear all week. Well, if you know it's the devil, quit listening. Consider the source of your fear and don't let the enemy dictate to you. Secondly, Consider the source of your strength and your victory. David said, he, he said, I know you're coming against me with superior physical strength and combat experience. I get that. I know you've been doing this for decades. I know you're almost impossible to harm because of your sheer size and the coverage of your armor. But the good news for me is I'm not here to match you strength for strength. I'm coming against you in the name of the Lord and in His might and in His power. I have the confidence in God's ability and His willingness to help me accomplish His will and fulfill His calling and walk in faith and not in fear. I may only have a sling and a stone, but when I place that in the hands of the Almighty God, that's all I need, David said. He said, look, he, he, said, he told Goliath, in just a second, I'm going to let go of everything I have. I'm going to release everything. I'm going to throw it all at you. And I'm going to leave it all on this battlefield right here. And what I lack, God will make up the difference. He said, I know you think you're too big to fail. I just think you're too big to miss. He said, I know that you think I'm an easy target, but in just a second, you're going to wish you had not spoken against the God of Israel and because he's going to use a little teenage Jewish boy to absolutely wipe the battlefield with you. David wasn't bragging. He's just telling Goliath what had already been settled in the heavens. When you face the giant of fear in your life, don't judge your chances by your own strength or your own skill or your own ability. Consider the source of your strength. Jesus is our strength. Jesus is our shield. Jesus is our source of life. He's our wisdom. He's our knowledge. He's our understanding. He's the one who opens doors and closes doors. He's the one who has the final say over everything that happens in our lives when we've surrendered our lives to Him. So you need not allow the giant of fear to dictate your next move to you. You can face your fear, not in your own power, but in the power of Almighty God. I want you to stand with me this morning.
I believe that there are some callings of God that are in your life that you have allowed fear to talk you out of. I think there are some things that God's placed in your heart to do, some dreams He's placed in you that you've allowed fear to tell you you can't do it and you can't have it. You've allowed fear to show you your obstacles and you've completely forgotten the opportunity that stands behind that fear. And so today, I'm going to ask God to revive dreams and visions in your heart. I'm going to ask God to renew callings because the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. He's still waiting on an answer. Actually, He's still waiting on a yes. <laughs> you already gave Him an answer. It just wasn't the right one. He's waiting on a yes. And He's not going away because He's God. He don't have to. He's waiting on you to say yes. We're going to pray, and if there's anything you want to pray about, whether it's this, whether it's a physical healing, whether it's a relationship issue, a money issue, whatever, a job issue, if you want to come and pray, this altar is open. And I'm going to invite you to come and pray while they get ready to sing uh, uh, one last song. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that your Holy Spirit would do what only you can do. God, illuminate our hearts and our minds. Open our eyes to see what you're saying to us. Remind us of your calling. Remind us, Lord, of our dreams that you placed there. Not the stuff that we came up with ourselves. Remind us of the godly dreams and the godly visions that you planted seed in our hearts years ago. Remind us of that, Lord, and I pray that you begin to water it and begin to bring it to pass because it's not about us. It's about your kingdom. It's about our obedience, about doing what you told us to do. So I pray, God, that you would help us to, to get past our fear and to do what you told us to do in the first place. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We pray that you've been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast with Pastor John Butler. You can hear today's message in its entirety by visiting our website at covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.